In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, Father of all light, maker of the world, who has made us in your image, seers and makers, look down into the abysmal darkness of our hearts and see the unutterable destitution in which our spirit and our art have fallen, since we have grown blind to the splendor of your truth. O Lord, who once heard the cry of Israel enslaved in Egypt, who delivered the people with great power and led them with your prophet Moses into the desert, send us now people of vision who will open our eyes once again to see your incorruptible light. O Lord, who showed to Moses on the flaming mountain the plan of a perfect tabernacle in which a fitting worship could be offered to your majesty, send us chosen messengers and teachers, lovers of worship and art, who will restore with chaste and noble works the beauty of your house. May they teach us to see with pure hearts the splendor of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to express what we have seen in images worthy of so great a vision. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, your Logos, your art, and your splendor, in whom all things subsist, and through whom, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all are called to be united with you forever. Amen. Amen. St. Joachim and Anna, the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I, I should say, maybe um, Sabatina will give you a free uh, medieval, medieval dinner. You can guess the, uh, the composer of that prayer. You'd be surprised. Huh? No, no. No, not Benedict. Not John Paul II. No, he, he was, I'll give you a hint. Huh? Bugnini? No, no, no. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. He was a monk. No. <laughs> no. Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton. <laughs> well, we start by saying, what is amor proprio? A motor proprio is a papal rescript, was a rescript, a response to a particular question or situation. It's decided by the Pope himself. It doesn't come from a congregation, it comes from the Pope himself and his own initiative. <coughs> the actual document begins with the reasons and then after he gets through with the reasons, he specifies the law. It's signed personally by the Pope. And there, there have been some motor proprios, for, for some reason, written in Italian. Uh, the one, the famous motor proprio before this one, the motor proprio by Pius X on sacred music was written in Italian. But the Pope must sign it, his name in Latin, with the date in Latin. The first motor proprio was issued in 1484 by Pope Innocent VIII, and I have the, not the foggiest idea of what it was on, but I know the date. The other famous motor proprios, Pius X, blessed St. Pius X, on sacred music. I grew up in a musical family. My father was choir master at the church, and so I, I heard from 
uh, a little boy on the word motor proprio, the motor proprio, the motor proprio. And it was the motor proprio on sacred music of, the, of St. Pius X, which he reformed the church's music. He um, restored Gregorian chant, and uh, he initiated something which took a time to get off the ground. In the 1950s, it did, in Detroit at least, the Palestrina School of Music, which was to uh, bring to realization in the parishes the um, motu proprio of Pius X. And in, 19, in 2003, Pope John Paul II issued a letter on the anniversary of the motu proprio. Now he signed it on November 22, 1903. Another question, always involve your audience. November, why November 22nd? Saint Cecilia, yes, the patroness of music. John the Twenty-Third issued a motu proprio, two motu, uh, one motu proprio calling the Second Vatican Council, another motu proprio issuing the Sixty-Two Missal. Paul the Sixth issued a motu proprio to restore the permanent diaconate. Pope John Paul II issued and motu proprio Ecclesia Dei Afflicta, the Church of God in Agony, um, in which he excommunicated Archbishop Lefebvre and the four bishops he consecrated, and then established the Fraternity of St. Peter, and then uh, enlarged the indult which he had given for the older Mass. A motu proprio overrules all other people instructions on this particular issue and overrides canon law. It's very important. Now I understand that uh, the, uh, there's, I'm not a lawyer, but legally, uh, in American legal opinion, sometimes the, motu proprio, the word motu proprio appears, but more often the phrase sua sponte, which means the same thing. <coughs> this motu proprio, sumorum pontificum, they're, they're t- you know, people documents get their name from the first two or three Latin words. And I guess they're composed that way, so there would uh, be some, some words that would be catchy. <laughs> it was issued on July 7th, 07. You know, uh, after, after Pope St. Pius X issued uh, it on Saint, Feast of St. Cecilia, I, I would expect that the Pope would issue this uh, motu proprio on something more fitting. In fact, he, even, he, he issued it before he even signed it. It was, came out before. He, he's, he said it was signed on uh, July 7th, but it was issued before that, so I don't know. The traditional, in, in it he states that the traditional form of the Mass was never abrogated. Now, in 1988, Pope John Paul II established a commission of eight cardinals. He gave them three questions. One, was the, the Mass, the 62 Missal, ever abrogated juridically when Pope Paul issued the uh, Novus Ordo? Second, do, does, do Catholic priests have the right to celebrate this Mass? Thirdly, should this Mass, permission to say this Mass be extended 
more widely than it was already allowed. The Commission of Cardinals, to the first question, unanimously said, no, it was never abrogated. To the second question, they unanimously said, yes, every Catholic priest has the right to say this Mass. And the third question, should this be extended to the whole church? Um, seven of the cardinals said yes. One, Cardinal Gantin, said no. This went to the Holy Father, and then a, a motu proprio was drawn up, um, which was a different approach than um, the one that Benedict took. But he had the same visitors that uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, who was on the Commission of Eight Cardinals. The French bishops, the German bishops, the Belgian bishops, the English bishops, the Dutch bishops. And so uh, he didn't issue it. But he told a, f a friend of his, Dr. Alice von Hillebrand, who told me when she was teaching for me at the United Institute, she asked him why. He says, it's on my desk, and I will issue it when the time is more appropriate. So um, at that time it wasn't, and um, when Pope Benedict, when word got out that he was going to issue the motu proprio, guess who came calling? The French bishops, the German bishops, the Dutch bishops, the English bishops. <laughs> but I always was puzzled why the French bishops were so concerned. They're building more mosques in France, French, France, than churches. A poll taken by Le Figaro of the French population said that um, 30% of French people consider themselves atheists. And they're worried about the Trinitarian Mass. In fact, in the Figaro, um, Le Figaro, another um, French newspaper, took a poll because they, they said nobody wants it. Well, they showed the majority of people in France were, said that it should be, uh, the vote appropriate should be issued. The Pope goes on in the motu proprio and says that um, any priest can say a private mass in the Tridentine form. I, I go back to the, the, is a, the wrong term, but that's the term that's popular. You can use that missile when saying a private mass. But a mass is, a mass is uh, every mass is not it's out of a public, is mass without a congregation, but you can invite people in. Secondly, people may, in a parish, go to their pastor. The pastor, when they come, a pastor uh, must willingly accede to the request of a group of people in the parish who may want that, the traditional mass. And then um, it says that there's, there's, a, um, there's a phrase in there, not during the triduum. That, that applies to private masses. You can't have a private mass, the Novus Order or the Trinitarian Mass. Every, uh, private masses are forbidden on Holy Thursday. Uh, of course, there's no mass on Good Friday. And on, the, on and Holy Saturday. But people have, have taken that to mean that um, they were referring to the uh, 
allegedly anti-Jewish um, tendencies of the Good Friday service. <coughs> now, if the pastor will not accede to the desire of the people, they can go to the bishop to see if he'll accommodate them. Maybe the, maybe the, the pastor cannot, uh, don't know the, doesn't know the rubrics. But if he won't try to get somebody to come in, they go to the bishop and see if he can do it. And if he doesn't uh, uh, co cooperate, they, it's right in the, in, the, in the document, they can go to Rome. And uh, it's their problem then. The Mass can be offered on weekdays, Sundays, and holy days. The only uh, restriction is no more than, as I read it, no more than once on a Sunday or holy day. And, and a bishop, can, if he wishes, can establish a personal parish. That's a parish that um, only has the, uh, the old mass. Also, uh, the pastor may allow the celebration of the sacraments, baptism, matrimony, penance. There isn't, there isn't much of a difference in penance. And uh, anointing of the sick, which is, may, may make, a, make a, a side. That is one sacrament that really lost a lot in the reform. Now, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the hands are anointed and the, what other part you anointed? Um, but in the old rite, all the senses are anointed. I mean, that's a beautiful <coughs> gesture. All, I know a priest, uh, he's now dead, uh, a young priest, that uh, continued to use the old rite because it was so beautiful, moving. Uh, when the person is, is ill to, and die, going to die, all the senses are anointed, by which, through which they could have uh, committed some sin. And that's all, this, well, ordinations, the, the, the bishop, uh, confirmations, the bishop can, if he wishes, um, confirm in the old rite. Um, the, um, well then you can have funerals and weddings and then special occasions, which probably means uh, anniversaries and um, reunions and things like that. Now, why? By the way, I, I, um, the, the universal indulter, the motu proprio Pope John Paul II had on his desk, was a little different approach. It said that every bishop was to have in his cathedral a Latin mass. Didn't specify what missile. And he was to see that in the major churches of the diocese, that there should be one Latin Mass. And that every priest had the right to celebrate Mass in Latin. And if he chose to celebrate Mass in Latin, he had the right to choose which missile to use. If he chose the missile of Paul VI, he was to follow the rubrics of that missile. It was, if he chose the, the missile of uh, John XXIII, he was to um, follow the rubrics of that missile. But he allowed for... Um, it allowed for uh, the readings of the vernacular, allowed for um, a prayer of the faithful, and there's something else he put in. Um, and also that um, 
a pastor could decide to have a, a, a mass in Latin, and up to him which a missile. Uh, this uh, you can this is uh, it was a more simple approach, but uh, but it, Benedict took a, a different uh, route with the same end. Shortly, uh, in summary, really, he did this in order to reconcile the church. Before he came out, the, the United States Bishops uh, News Agency um, issued a statement which um, I believed was the best uh, uh, reason, best expression of the uh, reason why he would do it, <coughs> to, to reconcile the church to her own tradition, that if there had been a rupture there, and uh, like in the family, where you restore your tradition, and, and the family doesn't, nothing seems to go right because something's been interrupted, something's been uh, cut up, and to reconnect with their own tradition. The Pope uh, wants to reconcile the, uh, the followers of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, who, uh, though, mo mo if you know who he is, he was the, uh, he's the, the the bishop who, archbishop, is now dead and excommunicated, um, but he uh, he uh, established a a, um, a seminary in a in Switzerland to train priests to celebrate the old mass, and uh, Pope Paul VI suspended him for ordaining priests without permission, and then he was excommunicated by for um, consecrating bishops, but. Archbishop Lefebvre was the Archbishop of uh, Dakar in Senegal. And he was uh, one of the leading, um, he, was a, he was the Superior General of the Holy Ghost Order. Now there's some places the Holy Ghost priests are sort of flaky. Some woman um, was complaining about the, some parish, a woman mentioned, where she went and she couldn't believe all the things they did. I, I said, that that's the Holy Ghost priest. I said, you know who once was the Spirit General of the Holy Ghost Fathers? No, Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre. But he was—he he believed in a, a native clergy, and so he—he um, he resigned in order to um, give the uh, his his diocese over to a native uh, cleric. I think it was Cardinal Tiendum, who was lifelong devoted to Archbishop Lefebvre. Then the Pope uh, John XXIII named him to the. Preparatory Commission of the Council. He signed every document of the Council, <laughs> including the document on the liturgy. I have in writing a statement of him after the Council saying that the Mass needs to be reformed and that the reading should be in the vernacular. This is Marcel Lefebvre. Now what happened, whatever happened to him, probably because he was pushed, pushed more to the extreme because of the, the craziness of the French church. Um, and then Rome well, pulled the carpet out. They, they, Cardinal Wright approved his seminary and then um, somebody else overrode Cardinal Wright. So. Well, Pope, John Paul, uh, Pope Paul VI wouldn't meet with him. He, finally he met with him and uh, laid down the law. As it wasn't a friendly meeting. John Paul the second, one of the first things he did was call him in. He met with him several times. And the first meeting, according to the memoirs who all were there, including Archbishop Lefebvre, he said, what's the problem? 
And our special officer said, give us the mass. And he said, you can have it. <laughs> but then someone else came in, um, Cardinal um, Shaper, who, uh, who, um, who was not happy with it, because what, what he, was, he, was, he was using the mass to uh, defy the council. So the pope uh, said, well, you settle it, and he left. And it wasn't settled. And then Cardinal Shaper uh, was replaced by Cardinal Ratzinger. And then the pope gave him that um, responsibility. And they, they, had, he had a, they, they went, they asked Archbishop Lefebvre, he wanted to reconcile. Name, name some cardinals that you would agree to visiting uh, Visitation, official visitation of, of the of your order for the Pope. He named two cardinals, either one, Cardinal Odi and then Cardinal Gagnon. The Pope selected Cardinal Gagnon, Edward Gagnon, a Canadian, Sulpician, who was then the president of the Council of the Family, to go and uh, spend time with him. Spent over a month, and I like to say that on his way back. He didn't go back to Rome. He um, came to Arlington, uh, and he, st he stayed at uh, uh, at um, Lady of Lourdes, where I was in residence there. And, and he was give uh, talk, um, several talks in the family. But he was staying there. He was writing the report to Cardinal Ratzinger for the Pope on his meeting with uh, the uh, Archbishop Lefebvre and his followers, and what he would recommend. Um, he, uh, Cardinal Gagnon is now very ill, so remembering your prayers. Um, I know what he told me he recommended. <laughs> he said he would grant, um, grant universal use of the, anybody who wanted to have the, the old mass, and then if they didn't come back, excommunicate them. <laughs> so um, but he, he had some very, uh, I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, his, his, his observation, which he made to Bishop Keating, who gave him a dinner while he was here. He said, while he was visiting the Society of Pius X, he saw many acts of sacrifice. These, had, these priests would travel all over to celebrate the old mass. And on Sunday, several times, and they, a couple of them were in car crashes and died. He saw uh, young men and women who had come from wealthy families gave it all up, and they had joined orders, and they're sleeping on dirt floors. He said he saw many, many acts of sacrifice, but not one of humility. So, there, he said that the pride was uh, just uh, notorious. Anyway, and here's from a, a friend of the, the, uh, the, tr the traditional. So, so the... Um, Pope John Paul II said, we'll give you a bishop if you reconcile, agree to the uh, protocol, which you, you accept the teachings of Vatican Council in the light of tradition. And then Archbishop Lefebvre signed it. Carl Ratzinger signed it. But then our Lefebvre went back on his uh, word because he didn't trust the people around the Pope. And then he died. Uh, then, then came the Ecclesia de Afflicta, and the Pope excommunicated after pleading with him not to do it. He's willing to uh, 
Um, and I know, I, I know that it's, it's odd because the, the Cardinal Gagnon was going to recommend that the bishop be uh, the, uh, Father Schmidberger, who's, who never came over after uh, the Ecclesia Dei Afflicta. He stayed with Lefebvre. The, uh, so that's, that's one uh, reason. No, there's, there, there, there's no Lefebvreite place. That's the place on um, Road 7 is, is not connected. Uh, uh, I, when I was at St. Catherine of Santa, we had reconciled some people from the parish. Uh, but the priest is a priest there from Baltimore uh, who had a disagreement with Archbishop Borders, the Archbishop of Baltimore who never became a cardinal. And uh, the, um, and he went out there, and uh, that's uh, there's, a, there's a long history. Um, when you become a schismatic, you uh, danger because you, you're all alone. Father Gedra, who had, was opposed to, he opposed Cardinal Boyle's uh, decision to integrate the schools in Washington. So he leapt and, and, and uh, moved into some rectory in, in Northern Virginia. Then he came back. Well, then when they changed the mass, he moved across the river again, came to, uh, settled in Vienna, and he um, they, in the house that uh, that Saint um, Athanasius was, and um, at that time I, I knew uh, the main um, financier for that parish, who who, uh, who helped him build, but he later be, uh, was reconciled to the church and became a. Um, through the, um, through the instrumentality of uh, Bishop Welch. Well, they had, um, when Father Gedra died, reconciled. When he was dying, Bishop Welch went to the hospital and, and he reconciled. But then he got better. Then he, they, <laughs> they but the last time, it, it held. But then when they, um, they came for the funeral, the, um, the 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 uh, people from Pius X came in and had a funeral out there at Saint Athanasius. They weren't in that church; they were in some other church. Uh, had his body at Saint Michael's in Annadale. Um, they had uh, with his family. They had the funeral, and Bishop Lyons, the auxiliary of Washington, came over and celebrated it. <coughs> then. The uh, priest came in, a priest came in and um, took over. And then one man was um, ser serving him, and he said, hmm. And, and he's a friend of a, a priest in the diocese, and he, and he told this priest, this priest, this, this priest says mass, uh, oh, he made a lot of changes. He does, uh, I suspect he's not a priest. So the, the, uh, this priest, Father Micah, went to um, Bishop Welsh, and Bishop Welsh did a, a grand gesture. He met with the people from St. Athanasius, and he, get, he gave him a lecture on this is the danger you, when, you, when you break away from the church like this, the, the formal church, that anybody can go by. But he said he would check, because it's so important, he would personally check to see if, the, if he was authentically a priest. Now, he claimed to be ordained by Cardinal Wyszynski in Poland, so Bishop Welsh inquired, and Cardinal Wyszynski sent back a telegram. 
in Polish, English, and Latin. No priest. <laughs> they contacted his mother. And his mother was very happy her son was a priest. He, she never heard it. He never knew it. <laughs> so, um, he, he, uh, Bishop Welsh told the, uh, the parishioners that. And that started a split. Because then some said, well, this is a, the conciliar church is trying to destroy us. And, that, and they split. And, uh, but the, the ones who, um, uh, who, who, were, who were against him had the upper hand. They, they, they drove him out of the parish. And he, uh, only a few days ahead of the uh, FBI, <laughs> who had a warrant for his arrest. He was a con artist. He had been, uh, he had done other things, but not this is the time he tried the priesthood. He'd done other things, and he had. Uh, he, in fact, he's in jail now. They cut. It was. They found him caught up with him in Kentucky. But all those the masses, the marriages, confessions, all invalid. So. The, the Pope wants to reconcile, but this is not the primary reason f- for it. Most, most people think it is, but it is. In fact, the bishop's statement, um, had re- the American bishop's statement, has, has stated it wasn't. It was to reconcile the church with her own tradition. Um, he, he's aware that uh, many people uh, are attached to this Mass, as Pope John Paul II said, uh, from their early childhood as he was. That's where he got his vocation. But also he said he's aware of the, the phenomenon where um, the younger, younger people um, have attraction to this mass. I remember taking my mother, who was at that time 80, 82, 85, to the, the, the mass and the, in St. Mary's in Chinatown, where the adult mass in Washington. And we're sitting there, uh, the place was crowded, my mother looked over the place and she turned to me and she said, where are the old people? <laughs> there were there, some few there, but most of the people were under 40. Um, and then he also, this is overlooked by the press, he wants to fulfill the Second Vatican Council. Because there was a disruption there, and that the, uh, the, uh, the uh, to show the continuity and to reform the reform, to make the the present missile more in line with tradition. And one way to do it is to connect the church with her own tradition. And it was, and he says in that, in the letter of the bishops, that it'll, it'll impact, influence the way. Uh, we say mass in the in the uh, ordinary form of the mass. Um, I know you're going to have a class on the history of the mass, so I have to give you a brief history because I can't get there, can't won't make any sense why he did this unless you know what happened before. The first three centuries of the church, everybody the same mass. There's no Eastern rites or anything. Everybody, Syria, France, everybody. First three centuries. But then everybody, uh, each the cultures and the different patriarchates of the different churches began to have little, uh, developed their own way, organically. Key word, organically. 
<clears throat> in the West, it was centered around Rome. Although everybody liked to do their own thing, the, the, especially the French. But uh, as the Pope says in, his, uh, is in the Motu Proprio, that uh, Gregory the Great in the 6th century conserved the, the, the Mass as it was celebrated in Rome. That's the Mass we're talking about. The 62 Missal is the Mass of Gregory the Great, developed organically. That goes back 1,500 years. And that's why you can't call the Tridentine Mass, because it goes before the Tridentine, the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent codified it and reformed all these other, these, it was the liturgy was in shambles, and they just developed the printing press so they could come up with a set formula. It isn't a Latin Mass, because you can see that, as we do here, you can celebrate the, the present Reformed Missal in Latin. It's, somebody suggested on one of these webs, websites that it should be called the Divine Liturgy of Gregory the Great, because it is basically the, the, the Liturgy of Gregory the Great. Now, um, let's see. Um, the, uh, the West, he developed... Um, when, England, when uh, Augustine of Canterbury went to England to evangelize, Pope Gregory told him to bring the Latin Mass, the, the, the Mass of Rome. But he said, look around, and as you go, take what you like from other liturgies, because it's liturgies that you were young then, and add it to the Mass. Also, it's awful odd. On the, St. Patrick did the same thing in Ireland. I always find it unusual, and I'm not the first one to find it. There was a professor up in uh, Salva Regina who called this, uh, wrote about it. On St. Patrick's Day, we have Mass in Gaelic. St. Patrick, when he went to Ireland, Christianity was there before him, they had Mass in the Celtic languages. He brought Mass in Latin. So, um, so what we're doing is going, uh, Mass in Gaelic is going back to, to before Patrick came to Ireland. Patrick brought the Roman Mass to Ireland and imposed it. Now, organic development. Oh, excuse me. Then there was the uh, Mass sort of uh, ossified some places, not everywhere, at the end of the, uh, toward the Renaissance and later on where uh, the people became spectators. And then the liturgical movement was born at the end of the 18th, uh, 19th century, 18th and beginning of the 20th century, um, to, to make the church more aware of the, of the communal nature of the Mass. So the Mass is the worship of the body of Christ. And the, uh, uh, then Pius X, who, div who was the first one to use the, the word uh, participatio actuosa, actual, uh, active participation. It was a big word in Vatican II, but he, the Vatican II didn't, was the first one who said it. It was Pius X, active participation. He was the one that allowed people to go, to be, encouraged them to go frequently. He was the one that urged people to use their missiles. Pius XII wrote the Mediator Dei, the great uh, encyclical on the liturgy, in which he warned about certain things which uh, came to pass. So the liturgical movement 
was uh, in the process. Now, Pius XII, in the 50s, he, 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 um, he incorporated and encouraged and reformed the Mass so that people could participate. And they did. When I was in school in the 50s, every class took a turn in singing uh, the Mass. We had every, we had f every day we went to church, and it, it was a high Mass. At the, at we, so Monday through Thursday, we, uh, each class at, um, would take a turn singing the Mass. On Friday, the whole school body was singing the Mass. I went to New York for, uh, uh, for a, a trip. Uh, my aunt took me, my sister, younger sister, to New York in early 1958. We went to first Friday Mass, evening Mass, at St. Vincent Ferrer. And there a lot of um, Broadway people there, and uh, church was filled. And they all sang the Mass, the mass of the Angels. Uh, it was very moving. So um, I, I, I grew up being exposed to uh, participate in Mass. So uh, I, I know there were places that didn't have it, but um, there were places that were. The, um, how I got on that? The, um, so the Bissell of John the Twenty Third incorporated all these changes in, re in regards to the uh, participation of the people. And if you see the uh, mass that Bishop Sheen narrates, it's a uh, mass of, uh, uh, of the old mass uh, version uh, in uh, 1940. We see all these people going to church. I showed it. <laughs> I showed the, uh, a couple of years ago to some young people. They couldn't believe that these are streets. They're typical if you grew up that has mobs of people going to church. But it was it's 1940, not the 1962 missile, because you notice uh, if you that in the mass, um, everything the, the uh, that the uh, that the subdeacon reads the epistle. Well, the bit then the, then the priest reads the epistle. And they're sitting uh, while the choir was singing the, the sequence, Victim of Pascal Laudis, and all of a sudden the priest gets up, goes up to the altar, and reads the, uh, reads the gospel, and, which the deacon will sing afterwards. Well, in the reform of the 60th Missal, that was all, uh, that, was, that was dropped. He didn't uh, do something twice. It was read by the deacon, or the subdeacon, which was their proper roles. The priest didn't read that. That's the Missal, 62 Missal. The organic development which the Pope believes in is um, that the liturgy developed. No group or persons or one individual thought it up. Over the centuries, the rituals developed. They weren't invented. Uh, I was reading a book on this, and the question was raised, where does slang come from? I said, oh, that's right. I've wondered how, how did this get started, these, these words? Like the word uh, bad, which means good. How did that start? <laughs> so, and this person explained, it's, it's in, the, in the colloquialisms, in the ferment of colloquialisms, these, slangs, these slang expressions are born. They're not invented by somebody, a committee, like a slang committee united. 
So as the same way the liturgy develops over the century, at the beginning of the church, the, the uh, communion was uh, given a leavened bread under both species, but not from the chalice. Um, they had a little tubes you'd uh, drink it out of. And uh, communion standing. Now, the, these cha- they, they eventually changed to communion in one form, unleavened bread in the West, and uh, communion kneeling. But it took centuries, centuries, for that to happen. Well, we did uh, change everything in a matter of a year, or less than that. <laughs> they took centuries, and, it, and, it, and there was no, no upheaval. In fact, as late as the 13th century, St. Thomas Aquinas was referring to um, communion of both species. So it hadn't, it hadn't disappeared at that time. So it was a long, long time where it grew. Developed some, fell away, some... The Pope calls it like a, a, you're growing a plant. You're a gardener. I have the quotation here somewhere um, where the, um, the liturgy is... Um, here it is. Just as a gardener cares for a living plant as it develops with due attention to the power of growth and life within the plant and the rule it obeys, so the church ought to give reverent care to the liturgy through the ages, distinguishing actions that are helpful and healing from those that are violent and destructive. Now, there is an unlikely exponent of the development of the liturgy. He isn't, wasn't Catholic, and he is a... a revered by New Agers. But he wrote a book, The Transformation Symbolism in the Catholic Mass, which he deals with the Mass in the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Churches. The psychiatrist Carl Jung. He says, in its, the Mass's symbolic content would be profoundly alien to man were it not rooted in the human psyche. Religious forms have grown spontaneously out of the basic conditions of human nature, which are never invented, but are everywhere the same. He's taking these, all these things in ritual come from something within the mind, the, the psyche, the makeup of man. The symbol of the mass penetrates into the deepest layers of the human psyche and its history. They are evidence among the most, they are evidently among the most ancient and most central of religious conceptions. I give an example. At the when you at a, at a mass we use incense. The 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 rite has always called to make the um, three cross signs across from left to right, and then you form three circles. Now that was just recent. Well, um, maybe about ten years ago, dropped, and you do boom, boom, boom. Although the Holy Father does it the other way, <laughs> but they sh- why remove something without finding why? As uh, Carl Jung <laughs> wrote, they go from left to right because that's that's a progression. Even Buddhists go from left to right, and Louis Boyer, the the, uh, the great liturgist, who said his famous quote, his famous quote is, "The old mass is a cadaver." The new mass is a cadaver decomposed. He said in his in his book *Right and Man*, he was saying the, the 
at the offertory, we um, make a circle to, to claim ownership of these gifts, which are going to be part of the sacrifice. That's why the, the bishop and the old rite encircle the church before he consecrated it. The circle is you're, you're setting the thing off. I had, um, was watching on PBS um, an odd uh, meeting of some different religions. It was, uh, again, New Age-ish. And uh, they uh, were run by Native American Indians. And at the end, they were saying, this, this Indian got up and said, now at the end, we're all going to have a blessing, but we're going to form a circle. Then he went on to, to describe the importance of a circle in Native American culture. I said, hey, this is what, what he was talking about. These things aren't invited. They're from the human psyche, and they're everywhere. And because Carl Jung in his book goes to the different cultures and finds similar things that the mass has, mass has uh, other cultures have. They're not invented, not a committee. Cardinal Dulles said that the, the new mass, the mass we have, is the first time that a, mass, a liturgy was created by a committee. And, the, and then the norms that the Second Vatican Council set for the reform of the Mass, they broke every one of them. This leads us up to the word Tridentine. As the Pope, in, in one of his books, points out, before 1969, it was simply the Mass. But the, the break was so great with the new missile that they had to call some, the other uh, rite another name, so they called it Tridentine. Right, but that wasn't was ever called that. It's called Tridentine, right? Because it was uh, one of its codifications was at the council after the Council of Trent. Um, so the um, and as the Pope mentions in one of his writings, the Council called for a reform of the Mass, but didn't call for a new rite. And and uh, what what they got was a new rite. Um, and they, and they knew it. I, I, I've, read, I've read the, the huge memoirs of Archbishop Annibale Bagnini, who was the architect of the new mass, who was appointed to the committee by Pius XII. And uh, he says that because they, they, they had the notion that everything was new, they were breaking new ground. Now what the Holy Father is trying to counter, the council was a, um, there was a continuation. The council was simply in a line of other councils and popes, and it was the same church. As he says in one of his writings, people have made the Second Vatican Council into some sort of super dogma, yet it was not a dogmatic council. So what the pope is trying to do is be faithful to the council, which also, by the way, said this is... Uh, Rule to be kept in effect. The language of the Latin rite is to remain in Latin. I have here I have here ooh, some of the suggestions by bishops of the world before the council. They were asked to uh, um, to send into Rome what they thought the council should take up. Very few mentioned the liturgy. 
they did mention, the Archbishop of Boston, Cardinal Cushing, mentioned they should take up, they should discuss extraterrestrial beings. <laughs> the Archbishop of San Francisco said they should, uh, we need a, a dogmatic defeati uh, decree on the, on what is the composition of hellfire. Um, the, the most, well, the, the one of the most liberal um, archbishops in Europe, Cardinal Koenig, who was really big uh, at the council, he sent in, he said, never, don't change the red mass, but put the, the gospel, the epistle, in the vernacular, and nothing else. In fact, Cardinal Brown, an uh, Irish Dominican, he got up at the council and, and he, was, he was opposing um, even letting the, uh, the readings be in the vernacular. Because he said, if you, if you allow that, you'll get it. One day, there'll be, there'll be no Latin in the Mass. And he was laughed at. Because they didn't believe it. <laughs> That'll never happen. And the, the, uh, Pope John Paul II, he was uh, auxiliary bishop in, in uh, Krakow, um, he said they should simplify the pontifical, the, 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 the rights of the, of the, whatever the bishop does, especially in consecrating a church. It's right, it's very complicated. And he said there should be a prudent use of the vernacular, but he warned against the nationalization of the liturgy. <coughs> and um, so it, it's interesting. Um, nobody uh, advocated any major change in. Uh, a reworking of the, the right of the Mass. No one advocated, no one, that the Mass should be entirely in Latin, uh, entirely in the language of the people. Um, so. These were the fathers of the Council. And, and as I said, Archbishop Lefebvre signed that document. Then um, the Missile 65 came with some changes, which probably uh, did what the, the Council wanted. Then some more changes in '67, and then um, the uh, the new right, which was tested in some form with the first synod of uh, bishops, and they didn't like it, so they went back and issued it anyway. So um, the results. Well, I think um, it will have an it will have an effect. I think eventually on, on the way mass is celebrated. Uh, the, the normative way, the ordinary rite, the Mass of Paul VI. We, uh, the reference will, uh, will, uh, will fuse into it. And then some things will be restored to the Mass, which have been dropped. Uh, like all the offertory prayers dropped. And, uh, so. they, and also the um, ecumenism. The, the, the liturgical changes have, have alienated the Orthodox churches. Right. You go to a website, they're, they're, they're very nasty things about, say, about the Catholic Church. They tell people, go to the nearest, drop in at the nearest Catholic Church, attend one of the masses, because they're trying to say whether well, the church has lost it. And that's why the, the Orthodox Church is very supportive of the, church, the Catholic Church regaining its tradition. Uh, and uh, organic. We doesn't, it's un, it's, the liturgy is on a museum piece. It has to grow, but it'll be connected back. Now we have uh, two forms of the same rite, 
There are many rites. The Dominican rite, which they did the offertory before the mass, and uh, oh. so it'll affect most people only with the the betterment of the Novus Ordo. Now, in this diocese, we have very little to worry about because the, the Novus Ordo is celebrated uh, with great reverence. We've fortunately we've had three bishops in a row that celebrated uh, with dignity. So, but we uh, we don't have any. As I know, we don't have any. As far as I know, we don't have any clown masses or uh, people dressed up as witches giving our communion. As you, YouTube <laughs> shows. Oh, I went over. Yes, never give a, mic a priest a microphone. Well, if you if you re, if you read the document from the council, I mean, it's, there's nothing radical in that. Right. In fact, for instance, they said the council said the the seasons of the year are to be uh, respected and to be kept, but they are to be uh, uh, made to be more in tune with the times. So what did they do? They dropped set, uh, they dropped the one season of the year. We were supposed to supposed to respect every year that the pre pre Lenten season. Septuagesima, Sextuagesima, Quinquagesima, they dropped entirely. So, but, so, um, but what they wrote, the, the council, the document of the council is probably the, the, uh, the, the fruit, the ultimate fruit of the liturgical movement. It was a high point. And then what happened afterwards, um, Well, uh, the, the, so the, the, the people were infused by the Enlightenment. It, so the, the priests, the bishops were, were uh, influenced by their paritas, by the liturgists. Uh, the, the liturgists had more authority and stature than the, the bishop did, for the most part. And they were, uh, they were influenced by the Enlightenment and uh, rationalism and all this. And, uh, you know, uh, you ha everything has to be understood immediately. So uh, you, you can't have uh, a, a sacred language. You can't have uh, even artistic, uh, poetic English. You can't have uh, um, art, which has to take some time to delve into. You have to, everything has to be immediately known. Uh, as you, even though the more people are educated than they were in the Middle Ages, uh, we're so much more dumb than they were. We aren't dumb. My question concerns the decree itself. My question concerns the decree itself. Article 5 speaks of parishes where there's what is called a stable group of the faithful who adhere to the earlier liturgical tradition. My question is, given the considerable breadth allowed to the meaning of a stable group, and using the Latin text as a guide, how would we define a stable group of the faithful. Well, the word stable doesn't appear in the uh, Latin text. So, uh, 
uh, I guess, it, the, the, what, what do you say, the, the pressure, the, you can't get, can't get people from all over come in and, and uh, tell the police, we want uh, mass. It has to be a, a group that uh, is, uh, what, your pressures, uh, chaitus, the, uh, whatever the implications of the word chaitus. There's uh, uh, three forms, a low mass, uh, which, uh, well, the, everything, sing, singer says, uh, no, no singing, unless, unless you're singing hymns, uh, but the priest doesn't sing. And in, in a dialogue mass, which is allowed in the 60 mass, so people respond to the different um, parts of the mass. Next is a Misa Cantata, a sung mass, which in, in English countries are called, called the high mass. That's when you have uh, the singing, the Kyrie, the Gloria, uh, the Credo, and the properties of the mass. A solemn high mass is when you have a priest, deacon, and subject. And, and now I'm referring back to, uh, to the ad, the name of, of the series, the most beautiful thing, this, this side of heaven. That, 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 that doesn't apply to the Trinidad Mass as such. That applies to the Solemn High Mass. Father Faber, who was an Anglican co convert, who wrote several of our hymns, Faith of Our Fathers and oh, Welcome My Jesus to More, he said that about the Trinidad Mass because that is the most beautiful thing. Someone said it's the greatest ballet in the church. The, the, everything is choreographed. And uh, for the deacon, subdeacon, and... Uh, Deacon subject and the celebrant and everything. It, it, it's beautiful, but it's, it's difficult to do, but it's, it's beautiful. And that's why when, the, when Pope Paul VI was about to issue the new missile, he received a petition from the world's artists and philosophers and intellectuals. Um, Graham Greene, um, Gabriel Marcel, Jacques Maritain, um, Ingmar Bergman, the, the film director, and six Anglican bishops in England, uh, Agatha Christie, who wasn't Catholic, um, it goes on, uh, Arnold Toynbee said, please don't, don't get rid of this. This is the, the, West, the, the greatest spiritual accomplishment, cultural accomplishment of the Western civilization. Don't throw it out. <laughs> Look at all the masses. Bach, uh, even Bach, when he was, who was not Catholic, but his Mass in B minor was written for the Tridentine Mass. Um, Mozart, Palestrina, it was all written for that Mass. Um, the artwork, the, the churches were built around that Mass. And so it was there pleading with the Pope, do not uh, let this Mass continue in some way. Now, um, they said Pope Paul, the story goes, Pope Paul was not interested until he saw one name on the list, Agatha Christie. He was a fan of Agatha Christie's. And so he allowed England, under uh, very, very specific uh, restrictions, to have a form of the Trinidad Mass, a 65 missile. And therefore, that's, that indult has been called the Agatha Christie indult. <laughs> but also people like Frank Zappa, mother invention. I mean, um, I mentioned the, um, 
because Young was, Young was dead, but um, Joseph Campbell, um, Mark, Marshall McLuhan, yeah, Evelyn Waugh. I mean, these, these are uh, people who um, saw something in it, it's a, something that um, takes you up. If you read Time Magazine, uh, this, this issue, from that, uh, uh, the end, that woman, you know, she, she has her problems with the church. <laughs> but, but she said her mother's dying of cancer and she needs some place to, uh, she needs some help. She doesn't want to get involved in all this. She, she wants, in the, in the Latin mass, she meant the Trinidad mass, somehow she's, she's taken up in it. So give me back the mass, she said. I mean, it, it doesn't mean everybody has to um, love it or go it, but you cannot despise it because it's the mass our parents, grandparents, great-great-grandparents went to, the saints. I mean, it's, 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 it's our heritage. It's, it's our memory. Tradition is the memory of the church. And when you break that, you could have a, a problem. And that's why Pope Benedict has said a lot of the problems we have in the church is due to the, the, the liturgical problems. The way, the, way, way, the way it was done, the way it was imposed. I remember Bishop Welsh, he was talking to a group of um, marriage encounter people, and he asked them uh, about the Mass. He said if he had his way, the old Mass would continue along with the uh, Novus Ordo, which is what, he was ahead of his time. And uh, there have been less, uh, I don't know, there, those days were difficult, so there may have been problems, but uh, at least and theoretically, there'd be less problems. I'm 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 against that personally. I, I think that the um, the the old mass should be incorporated into the liturgical life of a parish, a novus ordo parish. Uh, now the personal um, well, the, the some bishops have set them up. They're run by the fraternity of Saint Peter, and it's probably good for every diocese to have one. Like, like I have a monastery with the Clear Creek uh, monastery with the Benedictines. But I think that uh, it should be part of the liturgical life. It shouldn't be um, made, made a separate something. It should be part of the uh, regular life of a parish, even though it may not be the main mass said, but it's part of that parish. No, uh, if, you, if you see new liturgical movement, they show several uh, places where you would think, well, how could they? How could they say the old mass there? And they, they just move things around. And uh, they, if you if you create enough, you can uh, you can do it. it. May not be the best aesthetically, but it's it's all can be done. From which book did you quote Cardinal Ratzinger? Oh, this. That was all his writing. That's that. This one was his, uh, the uh, the preface to the uh, book on the on the organic development of the liturgy, uh, for by uh, Cohen Reed. This is the, the preface, and um, also the the touching thing he said: Why it shouldn't be 
that something so sacred and great for centuries should be considered um, awful. <laughs> and I mean, people were, at, uh, priests were actually being suspended. There was a priest in, uh, this, uh, uh, when Archbishop Rausch was Bishop, Archbishop of Minneapolis St. Paul, a priest had uh, a feminist in to preach. He was, uh, he was rebuked um, by um, the, the archbishop called in. Then he was on his way out. He told the reporters, I'm gonna continue to do it. Nothing happened to him. But a priest said the old mass and he was suspended. The fraternity of St. Peter, they have the seminary in Denton, Nebraska. They make a, a pilgrimage to the shrine every year. And they, they go as far as uh, someplace in Maryland, and they, then they walk from there to here. Um, but how many, but maybe about 10 seminarians go. They uh, were, were not allowed to stay at the Franciscan monastery. They were not allowed to stay at the Josephite, even though they're Catholic and they, they, they say only the old mass. That's Pope John Paul II um, in, uh, in, instituted them. They were, now, a group of visiting Baptists they probably would take in, but they couldn't come. <laughs> and they, they wrote ahead and asked the permission to say Mass at the shrine. Just them, nobody else. No answer. So the rector of the seminary uh, called the Vicar General of Washington, and he said, there are two times that the Mass is allowed in this diocese, and uh, one to St. Mary's and one to Mary Creed of Poland. No other time. All they, all they want to do was a private mass. Nobody else. They weren't going to invite everybody else. They, weren't, they just went, and so I had them come here. They said mass in the, here. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 things like that it was so stupid. Idiotic. It really is. It makes no sense. These are the things that prompted the Pope to simply, ah, come on. You can say it. And why, um, and then there, there, there are a lot of people, there are people who are, um, Strange, who might be attracted to it, but not everybody is, as one priest said, the nutty your nutty aunt in the attic. <laughs> I mean, people, Dorothy Day, Thomas Merton, even Thomas Merton was uh, quite liberal. Uh, Governor Mario Cuomo, he wrote an article for the New York Times, uh, his experience as a uh, older boy, and and he went on how much he disliked the new mass. So it, 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 um, um, it's, it, 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 people like the stereotype, it's like they do in a pro-life march. They get somebody with a weird banner, and that goes, that's the, that's the focus of that's on the news. The regular people, young people. Who, now, it, it's a fact that people don't, don't realize. The people who are more, uh, more liturgically attuned are the ones who want, want that. And, the, and the, the Pope mentioned this. And the, re, the proof of the pudding is, in the liturgical movement, where was the greatest uh, movement in the liturgy? Or where were people participating? Germany, France, Belgium. That's during the 50s and so on. That's where the Maria Locke, uh, all these great centers of, of reform and uh, participation, uh, the Mass, there was a live there. Where is the Pius X most active? Those places. Under the definition of a personal parish, 
Does that include like order priests, like the Dominicans or the Jesuits? No. I don't. I want to know more about. A personal parish means has no uh, boundaries, no, no geographical boundaries. We have uh, in this diocese we have the, a personal parish for the, the Koreans, and uh, the Vietnamese. I mean, there, there's no boundaries. And the, the personal parish would be, serve anybody. Well, there aren't that with the Dominicans and the Jesuits. No, the Dominicans have a, a they, they take a, par, a parish. People may go there, but they have a certain a geographical area. They don't go, they, oh, unless they I know. It's, <laughs> unless the, the Dominicans are serve the Vietnamese church. I mean, that's, that's oh, different. I didn't mean that. I mean no. the parish itself, Holy Trinity, St. No, but Are they considered a personal parent? No. Okay. No, no. Thanks. Is the church ready to bring Latin back to the seminaries and back to the schools? Well, I guess it'd have to. If, if, uh, it's supposed to canon law says you're supposed to teach Latin. Now, uh, we've come a long ways. When I went to the seminary, they dropped that requirement. In fact, they dropped the requirement. You didn't have to get a degree in, um, in theology. You get a degree in anything, education or are um, French. I mean, that, and the, you're dating people without any theolog theological or philosophical background. They realized that was wrong, and they, and they, uh, um, they finally decided to implement the council. The council's document on seminary education is nothing like that. And so it's now in, in canon law and in, um, and it is in decrees that uh, it's supposed to be taught Latin. Because uh, you, you, you go to Catholic University to study for a postgraduate degree, you have to take a, a test in Latin. Because so, you can't, the, the, uh, these are primary documents you can't read. If, uh, how soon will you here celebrate the, the, the uh, second Sunday of October? Because it takes time. Oh, no, 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 just uh, one mass. Just one mass. I, I was just throwing a comment. I, I'm a convert, so I don't have any idea what the old mass looked like. But I will say there's something about celebrating mass when no matter who is next to you, what their origin is, you can all pray together at certain points in the mass. And I think that's the value of having some Latinists inserted where the people respond. And yeah. I understand why in Germany, There was a man I knew who, who used to run the, um, he was a member of St. Louis Parish, he used to run the uh, Human Life Foundation for the American Bishops, which was to encourage um, uh, the use of uh, natural uh, farming planning and re do research in it. He was telling me that um, when he was at this international conference, here's the people, they gave their different uh, talks um, and it was uh, translated um, simultaneously. And here are these people, they work, they, have, they care so much about the subject. Um, they ate together, but they, 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 they fell a distance because of language. Except one time during the day, it was in the afternoon when they came together for mass, and it was Latin mass. He said, all of a sudden, you said you wouldn't, you wouldn't realize it until you spent a whole day of being alienated from everybody. Uh, all these people you want to somehow reach out to, and then you come to mass, and then you all, all together, um, one. 
No, no. No, the, the document uh, the council said Latin was to remain the language of the church, but a use for the vernacular could be found, especially especially in the readings, and and uh, and depending on the conference of the bishops. But this uh, Cardinal Brown uh, was very conservative. He got up to oppose even that because he said, if you let the door open, you won't have any Latin, and everybody laughed at him. In um, Archbishop Adamelli Bonetti's book. He said, even the members of the Concilium, which is a group of people who put together the new Mass, felt that allowing the, the canon of the Mass in, in, in the vernacular was a betrayal of the Council. Well, he can't be suspended. Okay, but what about the capability? Well, he has to know how to do it. He has to know how to do yeah. It. So. No, that's now. Um, how do you how do you make sure that happens? I guess is my question. Uh, yeah, just in this diocese, uh, it hasn't announced yet, but the bishop is going to offer a, a workshop for priests. Uh, there's one uh, bishop in this country I won't mention the name, who's going to give exams. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you give an exam to uh, to priests who who say the the the, uh, the prison missile? You give an exam in Latin, an exam uh, in um, uh, rubrics. No. No. Yeah. I wrote this as a question or a statement. When I was a young guy in grammar school, we had Latin. I was an altar boy, and of course we had to study Latin. And if you were in an ethnic community had to study Polish or Italian or French or whatever. And we all knew what the Latin Mass was all about, and we cherished it because you can go anywhere in the world and understand what was going on and had an appreciation that this Mass was 2,000 years old or 1,500 years old or whatever. <coughs> Most of my friends didn't have the opportunity to go to a parochial school. They went to a public school. In so doing, they never had Latin instruction. They went to catechism class. In English. So when we went from Latin to English, they thought this was a great idea. And the guys that went to parochial school said, no, we've lost something that's traditional, we've lost something that's sacred to us. And I believe that the pressure of the, let's say the lay people from the public sector vis-a-vis -vis the parochial sector had pressure on the cardinals or whomever to go from the Latin into the vernacular. And that's the pressure of the church. And I have another quick statement, if you don't mind. Oh. Why, as Catholics, do we tolerate the arrogance of a lot of, not so much priests, but the higher-ups, the bishops and the cardinals, why do we tolerate the, the, the arrogance of some of these individuals? And it's almost synonymous with pride, which is a deadly sin. I can never understand that. Tari, what officials? Officials? Arrogance? The, the arrogance of the upper echelon of our church. Well, let me give you a story. Um, St. Teresa of Avila had an, uh, our Lord appear to her, and she was, no, she reformed the, the convents. And this one particular convent she was in, she was a horrible superior. And so she complained to our Lord. She said, if, he, she told him, Your Majesty, as she called him, if I had my way, that woman would not be head of this house. And our Lord said, if I had my way, she wouldn't be either. 
So <laughs> the, the, the first thing, every poll taken, this, this, these things mentioned, they mentioned Australia and America, um, didn't want any changes. The last words said by Cardinal Dearden, Archbishop Dearden, who became the founder of Call to Action, became an advocate of women priests after the council, because uh, I was in Detroit, he was said uh, as he was boarding the airplane, there will be no changes in the mass. <laughs> we'll always have mass, we'll always in Latin. So, so uh, what happened? I don't know. Maybe the coffee that they drank in that uh, <laughs> coffee, Bardona. Is it true that uh, uh, there were Lutheran people in the uh, committee? No. No, they, that's, they, they had some, they had some advi not advisors, they were just a committee of, of Protestant ministers who they passed things through. They, they, now, they maybe shouldn't know that, but the, the story that they're, they're on the committee was, uh, no, no. They did? No. Oh. Well, uh, be patient. Yeah. You know, we we can here at this parish. Uh, we we can do it quickly because we already had over for a year a novus order of Latin, so that people can go right into it. Um, but uh, other parishes, whether it's the ordinary form or the extraordinary form, because the uh, Gregorian, despite that article in the Herald, and I've. As the woman was a very nice uh, writer because she did one on neurosis too. Um, <laughs> but the, the, they, don't, they didn't quote the council. The council said Gregorian chant has pride of place. That's what the council said. So it, uh, you have other things, but that has to be pride of place. Um, I, I think in this diocese, you'll probably more have more open doors um, than for both, for a little more of. of uh, uh, Gregorian chant Latin. I, I've been to places where they had a folk group doing it on this day in Latin. Oh. So um, they're, they're, um, I'd, be, I'd be very hopeful. Other places, I don't know. If you go to the Midwest, California, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a. Uh, someone said, I don't, Mass, Trinidad Mass, I want a, a Mass in decent English. The first, tra <laughs> the first translation, if those of you remember it, horrible. Um, Lamb of God, you who, you who, that soon ended. Uh, but now we, we're getting a beautiful translation. Uh, Father Boudet uh, was at a, uh, the installation of uh, Bishop Neinstadt as a coadjutor, and they used they use the uh, new prayers. And it's a beautiful, we, you deign, and uh, all these, we beseech you, all these words that are there in the Latin, but were dropped by the uh, barbarians who did the translation. <laughs> No, you should have a, have a basic grasp of it, but uh, but uh, no, because he has to be able to say the words. Isn't isn't magic? You should have some consciousness of the the words. Well, you know, you, can, you, you that can still be used. I have a St. Andrew's missile. 
and St. Andrew's Missal was very up to date because it had the uh, had had um, vespers and uh, lauds in the back, and the melodies so it's a different mass you could participate. I mean, people did participate. Um, maybe some places they didn't, but they they a lot of places they did. It, it more movement was toward that. Is the um, the divine office uh, different in the old rite? Yes, and uh, this uh, this the motor proprio also gives priests. A blanket permission to use the um, breviary of John the Twenty-Third, which is longer. Have five psalms of history. I must mention something else: organic development. This isn't the first time. In the uh, one of the fifteenth century, um, the, the the church is always reforming its books, and because uh, all these things, uh, like feasts, uh, everybody wants a uh, feast for their patron saint, and all these uh, the missile comes. Uh, loaded down with uh, feasts. So the Pope wanted to reform the breviary. So he gave the, res the responsibility to Cardinal Cajones. And uh, he did a, uh, a uh, total revision of it. And it upset a lot of people. Fantasy sales refused to use it. Because they said, How you, these, these psalms were always said in the morning. And our Lord prayed them in the morning. How can you now make them in the evening? And, and finally, after um, five popes, they finally, uh, uh, Pope Pius V, uh, restored the breviary and uh, dropped the, his, the reform. So there are some potholes in the road. But, but it was always um, allowance for use another one. See, what the pope said, this was the first, when, when the Novus Order was imposed, there was no... Um, Alternative given. When Pius V ref, uh, reformed the Mass, it was a missile, he really kept the Roman Missal and all the other uh, rites. The, the Mass hadn't needed to reform because people were putting um, invocations of the Blessed Mother in the Gloria. I mean, all these things were added. So the, uh, the Council sent it, blew the whistle, let's stop it. And the Pope reformed the Missal and said, let's all follow the Missal at Rome. Uh, but even then, he said, any, any place that has a uh, missile that goes back at least 200 years can keep it. He wouldn't, any, anything, anything um, ancient, he would not stop. Do you like the uh, old Brevary, uh, the old uh, office more? I, I, I say the new one, I, I don't plan to change. I, I, I'm accustomed to it. Uh -huh. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, it presumes that um, you could have an offertory procession because Pius XII and many other day refers to it. And I was, when I went to the, uh, the Gregorian Institute of America in 59 or 60, um, um, in, Mar in Marymount, at Marymount College in Toledo, Ohio, we had a uh, daily mass and uh, very reverently done by a monk from Salam. And it, was, it involved a, a, a offertory procession, but the, the prayer of the faithful, um, the uh, you don't repeat as you don't repeat the epistle and gospel. You shouldn't repeat also anything the choir sings. Shouldn't be repeated by the priests. Um, and then um, the the, the, the uh, vernacular f f uh, as an option for people who want for the gospel and the epistle, and the prayer of the faithful, of course, uh, which were the things. Uh, 
mentioned in the uh, Sacro Sacrum Concilium for the Council. And also they call for um, communion of both species by intinction, and, uh, uh, but, but it was limited only certain times. Um, uh, th those are organic development because they were at one time. And uh, so, they, they be, people who, who don't want any change, that's wrong because you can't free something. It's an, it, again, liturgy is not a museum. But again, you don't change it every day. Thank you.